Hello and welcome to the Who's Podcast with me, Phil. And me, Paul. And on this week's show, we're returning once again to our Series 1 retrospective. And this time we have reached Dalek. So let's uh, talk about that a bit later on. But first, let's see what's uh, been happening in the world of Doctor Who news since we've last been on air. And, uh, well, not much really, is it? No, not no, at all. no, we're sort of grasping at straws again, to be honest. Um, one thing that sort of happened whilst we've been away, um, BBC Radio 1 um, in the UK um, ran, ran a competition on their breakfast show uh, to win VIP, or two VIP tickets, I should say, to the um, exclusive premiere of the new series of Doctor Who um, and to meet um, the 13th Doctor herself, Jodie Whittaker. Um, it was a very, very... It seems to be quite a... a Quite a convoluted um, competition, really. They had sort of a multiple choice um, question, and then which you sort of texted in your answer, and yeah. then and then they would sort of get in touch with you with a with a a, a, um, a password or, or a phrase or something, and then no. and if no, they you phone had, you, had to you had to listen at eight o'clock or something the next morning or the something, next morning to, to, yeah, to and they hear would, the word they was going to use. And then, if they then rang you, rang you, you had to yeah, say that word. That was overly complicated. Um, and the weird thing is, I haven't heard anything about it since. <laughs> no, I don't know if anyone. Like, has nobody's won. <laughs> no, maybe not. Because maybe because they haven't got a bloody clue when the premiere's going to be yet. So <laughs> no. Well, just uh, the only reason I bought this up, um, to be honest, um, does this mean they have some maybe you know this the much mooted uh, September um, time frame for the premiere. Is, is, is this it? Have they got any idea or are they just winging it? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, my, my, my views on this is you're always now suspicious of these things, events, because what are they doing instead? Well, Why yeah. do they want people to turn up somewhere <laughs> as Doctor Who fans? Well, we had that before, didn't we, with the the uh, yeah. Capaldi announcement? It was meant to be some yeah. special thing about Doctor Who, and it was actually that. Um, I don't think at this time they're going to announce another Doctor. <laughs> no, <laughs> not after not after all this. That would be that would be a way of doing it, though, wouldn't it? It would. <laughs> we put our lead... watch the the one and only episode that Jodie Whittaker's made, and then go on. To... Well, no, I don't actually think they made one. They're actually going to announce it's actually Chris Marshall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I said that before, didn't I? That she hits the ground at the, at the, in the opening credits and then regenerates into Chris Marshall. <laughs> oh, God. Do you know what? I'd laugh my arse off if that happened. <laughs> I really would. Crikey. But, no, the BBC aren't allowed to lie to the public, are they? They've got to be accountable, for crying out loud. You know, so... Not that, not that I think, you know, I think that everyone's taken the fun out of the BBC, to be honest with all this. They have got to be accountable, not allowed to lie. The licence fee pays money and, oh, God's sake. So um, they can't do tricks like that, can they, really? No. It's such a shame, such a shame. But um, but then, anyway, let's say, the only reason I brought that up, because, you know, it's a competition that's gone past. It's hardly news as such. Um, it's just more to the point of view of, do they really have an idea when, when the Premier's going to be? So... Watch this space, I that was all I can say about that. Yeah. Watch this space. Um, now, well, next... Well, actually, what's awesome. interesting, I know, is yeah. you must be over 16 to enter. Mm. Winner, winners aged under 18 must be accompanied by a responsible adult aged over 18. Now, does that... Mm. Mean... 
that there's a general age limit on this, or hmm. or what? Doesn't a bit weird why you wouldn't allow children to go to the premiere of Doctor Who. Yeah, it's a show aimed at children. Because um, basically, if you're giving, that's a very good point you've raised there, Paul. It's, two yeah. tickets. If one of them is aged between sixteen and seventeen, then they've both got to be over sixteen to go. Yeah. One of them, they've got to take someone over eighteen with them. I presume someone over, if someone wins it, is over eighteen. Can they just take anybody of any age? I don't know. Hmm. Doesn't really read like that, does it? No. To be honest. But hmm, that's that's very that's very um, very interesting. I'm just going to. What what direction is Doctor Who going to take now? Is it going to be more adult orientated, which is everyone complained about. Um, Capaldi's tenure, it was too, you know, it, was, it was, went over the kids' heads or it was too, you know, the, the content was too strong for children, yeah. it was too scary, blah, blah, blah. Hmm, um, interesting. Very but, interesting. I mean, you've, you've certainly got to be over 16 to, to enter the competition. Well, um, isn't that isn't that general competition rules anyway? You have to be over 16 yeah, but to the, enter. It just seems to be, I mean, what I'd ask is, yeah, and also just where the, that you immediately become responsible <laughs> the day after you after you finish being seventeen. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I mean, the muzzle just said people over the age of eighteen could enter. Yeah, really, and then you can come and you know if, anyone if, they, if, they, if, if, they, want, if you want two tickets, you want to bring your you, you know your, yeah. your your five year old brother along or whatever. Then you know if they're um, insisting that one of the people with the two tickets is going to have to be over eighteen. Yeah. Then why not just make it over eighteen? Yeah, I know. Oh well, I'm sure it will make sense to someone. It doesn't to us, but <laughs> yeah, so two two friends that are 17 can't go. Can't go. No. Oh well. Oh well. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. No doubt there'll, there'll be some special. Actually, they don't tend to announce these things once the competition's over. There's no like you know press thing. These are our competition winners and. It's all pretty much forgotten, to be honest. But uh, I mean, it, I mean it, it is an odd thing to to hold a competition before you know the date that the winning thing is is going to be happening, so to speak. I I think they're just trying to keep the interest going to a certain degree. Um, I think maybe I'm being a bit cynical here, but because there is nothing to talk about, yeah, I mean literally nothing um, to talk about with this series at the moment. It's all guesswork and. Uh, I think a lot of people are getting very, very entitled over this as well, which is a bit, a bit worrying. Um, you know, it's sort of like we don't know what the hell is going to happen, but you other people, you know, saying no, this is fact, this will happen, and it's well, hang on a minute, how do you know this? Where's your sources? Um, so yeah, it's all going, it's all going a bit silly because there is nothing to report on. I think that's gonna, it's gonna breed that kind of that kind of rubbish on social media, really, because there is nothing to talk about. Um, and I think the BBC have done this just to keep the interest there because they've got nothing to show at the moment, I and I don't. And I don't think Chibnall wants them to show anything. More to the point, I suppose they've got the problem of the fact that if they do it now, then people have got enough times to plan that I've won it. Yeah. So I won't go away. I won't plan to go away in September or October just in case that's the that's the time. Date. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah, and I suppose because they don't tend to announce stuff until about a month before at the earliest, when it's actually going to be, 
Mm. By then, I suppose they consider it. It'd be too yeah. late. I don't know yeah. to organise. I suppose so. But no, it just seems to be a bit of an odd. Yes, it does. Around. It does. So. Oh well, well if we if we find out any more about it, which I sincerely doubt we will, um, we'll um, we'll discuss it on, on another episode of the podcast. Um, now on to another item of news, and there's been another or will be another DVD release coming from Koch Media, um, which is another compilation from the Mythmakers series from um, Nick Briggs and Keith Balmfather, which was sort of basically done and sort of filmed and recorded over the. 80s and 90s. Um, this one is The Doctor's Monsters and this one's dedicated to all the um, actors and, and extras who played monsters throughout the, the series of Doctor Who. Now I've actually had um, you know we've I've reviewed a couple of these uh, the, you know The Doctor's DVD releases uh, for the podcast and I'm hoping to get a review copy of this if we're lucky. So, um, so we might be able to bring you a review of this one. Um have you ever been interested to sort of dip your toes into these? They're quite, um, how can I put it, I'd say of their time, a lot of the interviews, put it that way. Have you have you watched any of them? No. No, no, because somebody keeps the <laughs> <laughs> copies he gets sent. I keep, keep meaning to give them to you. No, they are they are they are quite they are quite interesting. A because of the um the, the sort of the nineteen eighties. Right, we know whose podcast this is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll just edit you out in the. <laughs> no, it's um no that they are very much of their time to be honest. Um, from sort of a the sort of like the quality of the of the because everything I think it's basically filmed on video really. Um, yeah. And you know what the, the quality of video recorders were in the eighties and nineties nowhere near what they are now. Um, and also just sort of like some of the like the the the, the incidental music and um. The sort of the, the, the titles for the graphics and and the, and the, the the just seeing Nick Briggs with hair really um, that, that dates a lot of it to be honest. Um, some of them are some of them are quite interesting to be honest. I've, I've I've enjoyed watching them and I've got a couple of the I got the um, Hartnell one and the Pertwee one for Christmas actually. Yeah. Um, along with that um, <laughs> that awful thing that was featured on the Dave Gorman show. Yeah. As well, um, which I've forgotten the. I oh, was at Doctor Who: The Lost Interviews. Um, yeah. yeah, which I, I'm. I've yet to watch. Um, I might just do it with a, with a with a few beers. Actually, <laughs> I think it's probably the only way to watch it. Watch it. But, yeah, I think it's probably better off just watching more of the Dave, Dave Coleman stuff again. Really, yeah, I think it might be. Yes, <laughs> but I didn't know he actually he's actually done another one. This guy. Sean, whatever his name is, this is this is the second one. He's done, he's yeah. done another Doc Two one, so I don't know. God knows what's on that one because he was really struggling for content for this one. So, but uh, anyway, anyway. Um, I mean, I, I, I was just wondering whether friend of the show Hamilton ever recorded anything for this thing. Well, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, Mister Prickwillow. Yes. <laughs> well. That that will be quite interesting if 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 an interview with Nicholas Briggs ever resurfaces um, on 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 this Doctor Who Monsters DVD. So I, I actually be um, I'll quite, tell you quite gutted if he's not on there. To be honest, if Hamilton Prickwell is not on there, I was going to say if if this was produced by the person who did the other DVD, it would be on there. It would turn up. 
Can everybody please, 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 please? Nobody's really sort of <laughs> watched many of our our, our, our sort of our, our videos, especially not on YouTube. And I actually took the YouTube channel down a few weeks ago. Um, but I, as of today, I may in, reintroduce it in in a sort of like a slightly reality format, just to get around some of the um, copyright claims the BBC kept putting on me, even though I was actually adhering to the fair usage policy. Um, but if I ever put it up again, please point. This, this guy towards our Hamilton Prickwillow videos because I want him to include it on, on another one of his videos because he's such a sucker, he, he will just believe it's real. So, <laughs> please, let's make this happen, people. Let's make this happen. Oh, dear. Good call. Right, okay. Now, um, on to some um, sad news. Now, since we've been um, away, we've had a couple of... Um, Sort of another actors have passed away. And firstly, we had the mighty Peter Wingard um, passed away at the age of 90. Uh, now, for those of you who remember him from Doctor Who, he was in uh, Planet of Flyer, uh, Flyer, Planet of Fire, sorry, um, playing the character of uh, Timonov. Um, obviously, this story saw the exit of Turlow and the introduction of Perry uh, yes. to the show. Um, but I think to a great many people, including us, he will forever be known as the suave um, writer-cum-detective uh, Jason King. Yes. Um, firstly from Department S, and then his own um, um, spin-off series, Jason King. Um, I mean, what can you say about the man, really? Oh, he just was a... I mean, it, it, of all of the 60s shows and whatever he sort of defined them didn't he really yes i mean he's such a um his look wasn't actually copied by anyone really it was a unique look he had it screamed the 1970s or late 60s to you um but no one actually copied him style wise just just just, well they might have tried but you're really not gonna Pull it off any better than he did. Oh, no, so. exactly, exactly. Um, and unfortunately, um, he was sort of outed, wasn't he? Um, by I think by by the Metropolitan Police, wasn't he? Uh, were they in some sort of um, some sort of sting? Um, and his career never really recovered after that. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. It's, it's such a such a shame. But he, he did sort of pop up. I know he, he um, obviously apart from uh, Doctor, he was in the uh, Flash Gordon film. And if and if you want. An actor who could do high camp, yes. Peter Wingard, your man, and the, the character of um, sort of was it Clitus or Cletus, whatever it's, it's pronounced, um, is one of the most sort of memorable. Even though you never saw his face, it was behind that gold mask. Um, it was um, one of the more memorable characters from from that film. It certainly was. Um, he was also. I comment that the episodes. He was also in an episode of um, Jeremy Brett's Sherlock Holmes as well. Um, which yeah. was, and I can't remember what the what the story was, but he, I remember sort of like Holmes absolutely detested this character, and Wingard played it brilliantly. Yeah, absolutely I mean, brilliantly. The fact the fact was he he could do the both, <clears throat> couldn't he? He could be the hero and the the villain, and probably yes. actually settled on the villain quite well. Yeah. Oh God, uh, yeah. I mean, particularly remember him from. Two appearances on the Avengers. Yeah. Uh, the first one in the black and white days of cool Touch of Brimstone, which I sort of remember for Diana Riggs' outfit more perhaps than even his <laughs> performance 
in that. Yes, yes. And yeah, the the very odd epic uh, episode as well, mm. which um, sort of gave him a license to overact, which I don't think he ever really t- t- turned down. No, not really. But the thing is, though, when he overacted, uh, you didn't mind it. No, yeah, I mean, because it was obviously done in sort of a knowing way. Shall we yeah, say. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, he's um very very he's going to be very much missed, and um yeah, I, I think he's one of those people that's going to be sort of I don't know irreplaceable. Really, there'll, yeah. there'll never be another Peter Wingard. So. So uh, here's to you, sir. Here's to you. Uh, well, one now, thing actually, oh, one thing just just caught me there was, was talking about Jason King saying it ran for one season of twenty six fifty minute episodes. Yeah, but how? <laughs> that's, that's, that's not one season, surely. <laughs> yes, it is. It's um. <laughs> the thing is though that the amount of those shows that came out in in the seventies were all one season. Yeah. I mean, wasn't the Persuaders only one season as well? Yeah. But everyone remembers I mean, the Persuaders, you know. It's sort of it's peculiar. Yeah, they, they, I think to a lot of the times it was just just mainly they could they could tie the actors down to a certain length of contract. Yeah, and so they just sort of went for it with as many episodes as they could fit in. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right there, crikey. Just because one day, mind you, I can't imagine there was there was much longevity in Jason King because the fashions do come and go, <laughs> don't they? So. Yeah, that was uh, no certainly unique, certainly unique. Yeah. Um, now, um, I thought another actor who's um, who passed away. And this this um, individual, Jeremy Wilkin, um, died at the age of eighty seven. He actually passed away back in December, but it's only just sort of been, literally been announced today. Um, yeah. And now, Jeremy Wilkin, obviously, people will know from playing uh, the character of Kilman um, in Revenge of the Cybermen. Uh, now, what I didn't know that Jeremy Wilkin worked. Pretty much extensively with Jerry Anderson, yeah. um, and he voiced a great many characters. He was uh, the second voice of Virgil Trace in Thunderbirds, uh, Captain Okra, and Captain Black in, in Captain Scott and the Misterons, and he plays um, sort of various characters in Joe Ninety. I, and and and, say, and again, he didn't have to live on his. What's that? Sorry, the, I, say, I, I hope he didn't have to live on the repeat fees of his work as Captain Okra. Well, no, it wasn't it very often, was it? So, <laughs> well, I was going to say, all repeat fees for the Secret Service. Yeah. Um, which is a, a, a very little known and very odd Jerry Anderson, which is a mixture of live action and, and puppetry, um, which only got shown up on Tyne T's television or something like that, wasn't it? Or Lou, Lou Grade ATV just buried it, didn't they? It was very much a vehicle for its star, wasn't it, really? Yes, yes Professor Stanley Unwin. Um, yeah. It was famous for speaking Unwinese. Um, if you are a fan of uh, the Small Faces, if you listen to um, Ogden's Nut Gone Flake, their concept album, um, Professor Stanley Unwin tells the story on, on the yeah. sec- on the second side. So there you are. Um, anyway, but he's also um, in UFO as well, um, playing uh, the character L- L- Lieutenant Gordon Maxwell. Um, so yeah, Jerry Anderson used him quite. Quite a lot, actually, but um, I think he, didn't he also appear in um, Blake Seven at one point? I seem to recall. Yes, yeah. so it does. Like, yeah, he played the character of Dev Tarrant. Yeah, the, the man who, be, who betrayed Blake. Yeah. So it's obviously right, right from the beginning. Then, so um, there you are. But he's also in things like um, um, 
Riley Ace of Spies, um, the spin-off from Secret Army, Kessler, um, which I vaguely remember watching. Um, and he might he must have been in Crown Court at some point. So <laughs> I'd, I'd have also, yeah. Everyone was in Crown Court. So um, yeah, it's only till today I realised I didn't realise he was the voice of Virgil Tracy. Absolutely no yeah. idea. Absolutely no idea. So well, blimey. That that was those two sort of uh, <laughs> iconic things of our childhood. There, Jason King and uh, Thunderbirds. So uh, there we go. Anyway, let's move on to something um, a little bit more, a little bit more cheerful, or maybe it won't be because it's Omega's Tack Corner. You pester me with trinkets. Right now, this was actually um, submitted to us by one of our listeners, Kieran Hyman. Um, thank you very much, Kieran. Uh, Kieran's put this on our Facebook group page. Um, and very, very late to, for the festive season. Uh, f- 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 even, I can't sp- can't speak. <laughs> festive Feast season. Feast of Stephen, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've had a dry January as well. So. Um, yes, it's a Doctor Who um, fourth Doctor ornament to hang on your tree. Um, yes. Yes, just in, just in time for January. So. Yes. Christ. <laughs> it's perfect timing, isn't it? I mean, it is. Um, now, this is from um, a, 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 a company called KurtAdler.com, um, who seems to specialise in Christmas ornaments, it seems. Um, now, there doesn't appear to be a price for this anywhere. Um, but if those of you looking at or do visit our Facebook group, um, we'll see um, this on there. And it is a five-inch um, tool basically figure of of Tom Baker and he's he's sort of doffing his hat um to you. Um I wouldn't say the likeness was anything like Tom Baker. I think this all is <laughs> is Mark Gatiss as Tom Baker as the fourth doctor. That's <laughs> it's, it's a very weird expression, isn't it? <laughs> it, is, you know, isn't it? It looks like he's been somewhat shocked by something. Well I know Tom Baker could do the wide eyed look on, on a fairly regular <laughs> basis, but that looks nothing like Tom Baker. <laughs> No. You know. Yeah, it's usually with the mouth open, though, isn't it? It is, yeah, but that's just sort of a... Uh, hmm? Sort of... <laughs> <laughs> and, and the head is at an angle that makes him look like he's been hung, doesn't it? It does. Because that thing, that chain is also makes him look like he's been hung, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just wonder why they couldn't have just done the scarf up, so you hung it on for the scarf. Oh, no, that would have been it. That would have been the, the, the best touch, really. Um, yeah, it's 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 a fishy licensed Doctor Who ornament as well. Um, it's made of plastic and paint <laughs> um, <laughs> quality. Um, hangs from gold string. Perfect for Whovians of all ages. All ages. Yeah. So, but the little sort of blurb that comes with it, um, it says, This iconic Doctor Who fourth Doctor ornament is a throwback to the summer of 1974, when the incarnation of the fourth Doctor began his seven-year tenure. Completely recognisable hat and scarf. This ornament is the perfect holiday gift for the serious Doctor Who collector. Uh, yeah, all right then. I suppose you have to be serious to buy that because I, 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 I a sense of humour bypassed to buy that. I was I, I, yeah. no, no frivolous purchase of this. No. <laughs> yes, the. Um, no, the, the colour of the trousers are all wrong. <laughs> that, that's it. No collector would buy that. <laughs> that's the problem, yeah. The serious collector is now, he's now picking holes. <laughs> and actually, that outfit isn't the 1974 outfit, to be honest. So, <laughs> that's the next season. So, 
Well, actually, a couple of maybe a couple of seasons after. I'm not entirely sure. That's that's the long velvet frock coat that wasn't from 1974. So, oh my god, I need to get a life. <laughs> I really do need to get a life. Bloody hell. Okay then. Well, that is that is it for the news. That is it for uh, Attack Corner. So coming up next, um, we're finally getting around to reviewing Dalek in our Series 1 retrospective. So, for another week then, that was the news. Okay then. Let's talk about Dalek. A great big museum. An alien museum. Someone's got a hobby. The cage contains my one living specimen. Must have fallen through time, the only survivor. It's killing him! Do something! I swear, no one on this base is safe. You've got to keep it in that cell. He can't get out. That lock's got a billion combinations. Civilians, let him through! That thing downstairs is going to kill everyone! What's the nearest town? Salt Lake City. Population, one million. All dead. If you want orders, follow this one. Why don't you just die? We're nearly there. Give us two seconds. I've come to help. I'm the doctor. Exterminate! Impossible. Exterminate! And before we actually get talking, we did ask um, you, our good listeners out there, for a little bit of feedback. What did you think of this one? And we, we got a, a couple of... Um, a couple of uh, posts on our Facebook page. So um, first up, we have Jeff Waddle. Hi, Jeff. Um, he says, still by far their best appearance since it came back. The bit where Eccles Kate confronts the darkness to see the eye stalk flashing is a classic clip, as is the Dalek electrocuting the guards. Arguably the best episode of season one, but there are a good few. Oh, for the Daleks to be cold and calculating like this again. Okay, thanks, Jeff. Next up, we have Richard Shaw. Um, hi, Richard. Richard says, it was this episode that made me a fan. Wasn't interested in at all in somehow watched World War Three and saw the trailer for Dalek. And that was enough to make me watch it. Um, I was going to say watch World War Three, but enough to put people <laughs> off watching it. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> I was say, why, why, why wasn't you a fan after World War Three? <laughs> And uh, Russ Hilton writes in, hi Russ, he says, a very short and sweet, a brilliant return for the Daleks, well written and brilliantly executed, 10 out of 10. Okay, um, now, so what What did we think um, after after all these years? And it's my, my turn to go first, it's, isn't it's it? You yes, first, in, yes. yes, okay. Um, I sort of agree with the, the sentiments of um, sort of our, our listeners there, really. It is, it has established itself as a, as a classic really um it was the one yeah. i was most looking forward to uh when it when it came back um and for me it, it just didn't disappoint i thought it was fantastic to to, to coin the, the the ninth doctor's uh, catchphrase there i think i think this was the point where we, i stopped just sort of watching it because i was glad it was back yeah and actually was yeah no this is this is what I want to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, we'd I sort agree. of got to this stage when it was just like, okay, it's back, you know. Gotta be thankful that it's on. Yeah, yeah. some odd odd episodes so far. But no, when when this when this had finished, you was like, Yeah, this is what it's all about. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um I've gotta say it's a fairly I kind of a, a, a sort of very sort of back to basics Dalek story to a certain degree. Um, now I know 
listeners of Big Finish will know this this was um obviously this is written by Robert Sherman, who also also wrote Jubilee. Yeah. Um, which was which was a sixth doctor story. I must admit I haven't heard Jubilee to my eternal shame. Um but apparently this heavily was borrows heavily from Jubilee, this this Dalek story, because obviously Rob Sherman wrote wrote both of them. Um I was gonna say I've I haven't I haven't listened to Jubilee. And it's almost because I'm saving it up. I, exactly. <laughs> like I did it's, with spare parts, to yeah. be honest. It's one of those ones where you're thinking, one if I've if I've listened if I ever listened to a couple of big finish stories and I'm thinking to myself I'm not sure if I'm really into these anymore that that's what I want to listen to next just to keep me get hopefully get me back into the swing of them yeah. so far I haven't had to reach for <laughs> break the emergency glass that surrounds you no no exactly no me neither <laughs> but that, that's moment. what it's there for really yeah. as far as I'm it, yeah I agree I agree it's um but anyway c- coming back to this though I because if you think back to the um Sort of like the, the the previous Dalek stories, they're all centered around Davros. Um, they all got overly complicated with different Dalek factions and, and and so on and so on. And and what Ross T Davis did, he didn't just reset the character of the Doctor. He basically reset the Daleks as well. Yeah. Um, and all we had was this, you know, this mysterious time war. And we, we and we thought, oh, you know, is this the end of the Daleks? We didn't know what was going to happen at the end of Series One, obviously, at this particular point. Um, but it just turned them back into cold, calculating killing machines, and I think that's what people want from their Daleks. Yeah. Um, but, it, but not, yeah, not overblown. Not no. thousands and thousands of Daleks swarming everywhere. No, and, and okay, that's what happened later. And I know, as as you know, um, when the series came back in two thousand five, and each subsequent Dalek story, their effectiveness um, has become lessened. Yeah. Um, maybe not apart from Into the Dalek, where they they become killing machines again. Yeah. Really. Um, but I think in in this particular story, it just proved that one Dalek was all you needed. Yeah. It would it it would just wipe out everything, and I think that made them a credible threat again. And the way it just went through all the, the all its opposition in this particular story. Well, just just the, just know, the thing when the Doctor says, "Where's the what's the nearest city?" Yeah. And he says, and he goes, they're all dead. Yeah, exactly. And it also made them um, sort of more technologically advanced as well. Um, It could download the entire internet in seconds. It could calculate so many billion combinations in seconds. Um, I thought this this is the sort of thing that you want, really. This is why the Doctor's so scared of them. And that's what, yeah. and, that, and and that goes back to what Jeff said. That bit in the room, did you see the, you know, the eye stalk in in the darkness with the, with with Eccleston, um, and the, the actual sort of terror of of the Doctor. Now he's locked in the room with a, with a Dalek screen exterminate. He can't get out. I mean, you know, it is probably the only disappointment of this episode is the fact that to make sure people watched it, yeah, they had to tell you what it was about. Yeah, I know, and the fact it's called Dalek. <laughs> Well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and and I suppose the, you know, whereas we like to say now is, oh, why couldn't they have just called it something else? Mm. And then our first realisation this is a Dalek story is when you see the eye stalk in the dark and the... Yeah, that's right. That's right. suddenly reacting to the fact that the Doctor's there. Yeah. But then getting back to, obviously, the feedback we've had, mm. that's probably one person 
less that would have bothered watching Doctor Who. Well, exactly. Because I mean, if they hadn't hadn't had the trailer that it had, and they hadn't, yeah, Richard, they wouldn't have watched it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's what it's all about now, isn't it? You, you've you've got to bait your audience for the following week. You've got to keep them yeah. coming back. Um, and I, I kind of agree with you, really, because if um, I think you and me were just glad it was it was back there, but there was nothing really outstanding at this particular point. Apart from, I mean, I love the Unquiet Dead. I think it's a, I think that's a great, um, yeah, a good I, scary I, I, Doctor I, I was, Who story. I was, I was probably sort of. Rattling through a bit. It's probably I am just still in, in the World War Three and Aliens of London yeah. mode at the moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, yeah. Obviously, Rose was okay. The second new, the second episode, which I'm trying to think what it was called. Now and the fact that it's gone out of my head, only having watched it recently. Yeah, it was that was the the Cassandra one, was yeah. it? Yeah, I can't remember what it's called either. Actually, no, to exactly. My, to my eternal shame. Um, exactly. Yeah, Unquiet Dead. <laughs> when we get to the Mark Gatiss one, and we're saying this is this is the best so far. Or you're, <laughs> I don't know. We've had that conversation. End of the world. There you go. End of the world. Yeah. That's it. So. You know. Yeah. You, you, it was okay. I mean, Doctor. You know, I wasn't. I wasn't at any point. Turning off, saying, "Oh, this isn't the the Doctor Who I remember. I'm not bothered." No, but it still wasn't quite an episode that made me. Sit no, the, up and think. no, there hadn't been really sort of any out and out classics at that point, had there? Yeah, but I, I think that I think I think it still stands up today. You know, I, I think it's I think it's a it's a great episode, and it is one of those ones I will. I think I've, I don't often put new series. Um, episodes on to watch. Yeah, really. I, I usually tend to dip back into the now, you know, now termed classic era. Um, but I, I would put this one on. Yeah, to be honest, because I think it, oh, it, it oh, is yeah. brilliant, and, and I don't get tired of watching it either. I no. really do not get tired of watching it. I think I think it's a great story. Always have done. Always have done. And, and, and good <clears> for <throat> the fact that it's really. Basically, this is this is Eccleston's moment, really, more than anything, isn't it? This episode, yeah. And yeah, why you have somebody when he was when he was cast, and we obviously have already gone through the the whole lot of rumours of stunt casting that we'd had. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and you thought, you know, once they'd announced that Eccleston was going to be the Doctor, you just sort of thought, oh, this is this could be something. Mm. Decent, then they're going to actually make try and make a proper fist of this. Yeah, exactly. This, Taking it seriously. This, yeah. this episode was exactly what you was imagining. His performance in this was exactly what you was imagining it was going to be like. Yeah. There's a lot of he goes for a lot of um, sort of emotions in this one, doesn't he? Yeah. With it, like the the, the the you know the the um, fear, anger, um, loss. Um, he runs the, the the doctor runs the full gamut of emotions in this one, and I think a lot of people say Eccleston sort of gurned his way through a lot of this series, and I suppose to a certain degree he he, he did kind of do that. And he has a says afterwards he didn't play it quite. Is it quite recently he didn't play it quite right? Yeah. Um, and maybe if he had more time, he would have he would have sort of nailed it a bit more. Um, but I, I you know I, I thought he was fine in this one. To be honest, I think, I think, I think, really good. I think this episode more than any just summed up what this doctor was. Yeah. 
It was the, that sort of the battle whole pine. Yeah, the, the the battle damage doctor who saw his uh, or he made it happen, as he said, he made it yeah. happen. I mean, um, it's not even. I mean, after the initial um, scrambling to try and get out the door. Yeah. After that, the actual fear of the Doctor is the facing what he's done. Yeah. It's the fact that here's somebody that he can't lie to about the end. Exactly, yeah. And it's always, it, it, he's guilty about it as well. That's what yeah. I like, you know. Yeah, um, exactly. It, it's, it's, it's a Doctor that still hasn't come to terms, has never come to terms with, with what he's done. Yeah. And it's almost, you know, you're you're bringing someone here that can point to him and say, "You did this." Yeah, Hold, sort of holds into account to a certain yeah. degree. Yeah, that, that was the phrase I was looking for. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and it's yeah, it's not the, it's not even the, the fear that this do- these Daleks are all powerful. It's just the, it's just the fact that this Dalek knows what he's done. Yeah. And the, and the Dalek can't do anything about it either. Yeah. And actually, that, that's actually another point to this as well, because the the you know the the, the Dalek is mute after he sort of um, is brought back to life basically by Rose. Um, he's sort of mutating into something different, and and for the first time, the, the Daleks having all these emotions and can't handle it, like the Doctor to a certain degree, yeah, who can't really handle what's going on. Um. And the, the the parallels between the two characters is only sort of until I watched it um, t- for this recording. I, they only sort of really just sort of occurred to me. Sort of the parallels between the two. They they both and it's like Rose says, "What have you become?" When he's standing holding a gun, um, yeah. they both turned into something different, something they weren't. The Doctor was never a well. It's genocide he's caused there, basically. Yeah. Of, of his own people and the Dalek race, and the Dalek is now. Questioning its its own sort of genetic programming, um, and they're both sort of and their own sort of personal conflicts, which which yeah. I think is great. I mean, for a I don't know really. I, honestly, it was quite a, a, a stripped down sort of you know sort of Dalek story, but there was quite a lot going on here, to be honest. Mm. Right, it, it's almost well. I was going to say a two hander, but obviously Rose is is in there as well. I mean, the, yeah. the other characters are. A reasonably fleshed out, but not that important. No, I mean the only one that's really important is, is the Van Staten character, I suppose you could say. Yeah. Um, and, and, but only to give context to the to the meeting of the Doctor and the Dalek, really. Also, yeah, yeah, to a certain degree. But I, I do like the, the you know the whole fact that he's been, you know, instead of re- going up into the stars, he's been dragging it down yeah. and burying it underground. Um, and the, the bit at the beginning in the, in the pre-credit sequence with the um, with the Cyberman head, yeah, um, and it's like one of the old school Cyberman heads as well. So, to to new viewers, that meant nothing. If this is your first exposure to the Doctor, it meant nothing. But to but to see a Cyberman head from Revenge of the Cyberman, it wasn't even an Earth Shock era um, yeah. Cyberman. It was it was an old nineteen seventies Cyberman. Um, it, it was sort of. What seeing that for the first time, it, to me, it was like wow. You know, they're not completely ignoring the past. There were there were little occasional little little callbacks, and maybe I think that maybe that that's. Do you reckon that's the way it should have carried on, Doctor Who? 
rather than being re really referencing the past as it as it has been lately, just having a little nod like that. Do you think? Do you think I'd that's good know. enough? I'd no, well, no. To be honest, no. <laughs> I, I I think at the beginning, yes. Yeah. Because you don't want to come into it. The, the the hope by the stage where you're getting to, particularly more and more referencing the yeah. past, you're hoping by then that the new viewers you're picking up are having an interest in the history of the show mm, yeah. and have been looking back themselves yeah, on the basis that everything's now, well, everything that we still have is, is, is available. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So there is the possibility you can do that now. And I suspect, yeah, there there is almost the thing like we can bring these back because actually it might even make people want to more go back and have a look yes. at what has been the past. Yeah, I, no, I, I, no, I, I was just, I was kind of sort of playing devil's advocate there because we we said before um, by removing all the you know the time laws and Gallifrey, what is the Doctor running from? That's the yeah. whole, that's the whole raison d'etre of Doctor Who. He's he's running from his own people, really. Yeah. Um, so now you didn't, as you said before, you, you didn't have that. What was why was he? He was now just was just bumming around the around the galaxy. Um, to be honest, so um, no. I, you know, I, I think well, I mean, a lot of people don't like the fact that it is um, it references old Who quite so heavily as it has done. I I personally don't mind it. I'm a bit of a sucker for that. Um, I think they've done just, it well enough, actually. Yeah. That that it yeah it's something that obviously makes us old fans. Yeah. So give a little cheer inside when we see something and we recognise something. Give a little, little wa warm I'm, glow in our heart, don't we? Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm not so sure that they've ever got to the stage they've got much to the stage where it makes it unwatchable to the No, I, I, I think a lot of people do complain unnecessarily about referencing the past. Um yeah, I I, I don't really understand it to be honest, but Anyway, anyway, there we go. You've got, you've go. got a show that's gone gone on that long. I mean, it, it, there is going to be. I mean, the main it's thing hard is not to, not, isn't it? To be honest, it's, it's not to be tied up in your continuity. No. If, if you suddenly start <clears throat> having episodes that are that don't make any sense, unless you know the the whole backstory, then yeah. yeah, you've gone too far. Yeah, exactly. But just referencing stuff. I mean, like in obviously the Empress of Mars getting Alpha Centauri. Yeah. At the end, I mean, it just didn't wouldn't have made wouldn't have, would have just been something else to anybody who doesn't know the whole Peladon start story. So yeah, but it might have made somebody actually go out and watch those those two stories. Whether that's good or bad. Well, it's good or bad. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> You know, I don't mind it from that point of view because it, it may, may get people interested in the original series. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and I'm hoping, sort of like the, the glimpse of a sideman head and, and the fact that the Doctor was so interested in that, in that particular one. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, it was all. It, it, <laughs> if we were going to complain about, oh, the Doctor who references continuity too much, we referenced a bloody Slovene arm a week yeah. after, you know, so. Um, yeah, it was it was already doing that itself. Um, well, I mean, I just, yeah, I mean that that was there to say, oh, this is a 
this is a museum of of villains. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, well, what about the the sort of the, the supporting character? Actually, before we go into we we discussed Eccleston. I think he's good. What about Billy Piper in this one? I thought I thought she gave a very good performance again. She did. I mean, uh, yeah, and it's particularly in the the end scene. Yeah. And and the whole, you know, well, the only one pointing a gun at me is you line and Yeah. That was Yeah, exactly what was needed. Her performance there was exactly what was needed. It was, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um we briefly touched on Corey Johnson's Henry Van Staten. I thought he was he he played that sort of narcissistic billionaire role quite quite well actually. Yeah. Um do you reckon he would have made a good re- sort of recurring villain? Um, yeah, you, you, could, any... you could have seen there would have been. I think there was possibilities there. Yeah. Someone yeah, like, that, uh... yeah, someone had that that much power and influence. Um, I, I can't believe would would have gone down that quickly. To be honest. No. They yeah they'd have had a, and I mean I suppose the argument there was that he was so caught up in his own power and that he just couldn't believe anybody could his own hubris basically yeah yeah, yeah. he couldn't believe it, it would happen it, to him yeah yeah no yeah so, no, I, did, I just i just I just sort of occurred to me um when i was watching it i thought he probably could have been a, a quite a good recurring villain in sort of in in sort of later episodes but yeah anyway anyway um of course you've got uh, the adam mitchell character I'm, I'm not quite sure whether that was meant to be uh only ever like a two-episode deal, or that character was intended to stick around for longer. Apparently, he says he was only contracted for two episodes. Oh right, okay. So, not that yeah, you know, you, you, you do sort of wonder whether they just watched the the next episode back and thought it just breaks the dynamic. Yeah, and it does. It really yeah. does. I mean, I can't understand why why he was cast because obviously Phil Collinson um, was, I think, he was a producer on Coronation Street, which is where Bruno Langley was more yeah. known from uh, at that that time, and probably still is really, amongst other things. Um, so, yeah, I can understand why why he got you know he got cast and everything, but um, yeah, it just seemed to didn't it didn't go anywhere as you say. It just seemed yeah, it did it did ruin the dynamic. Um, Certainly for, for for the ninth Doctor and, and Rose. Certainly, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I suspect we will talk more about his character next week. We get, well, not next yeah. week, but when we next get round to next week. <laughs> no, when we get round to in the long game. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, I, 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 yeah, he's slightly a he, probably the most peripheral, really, isn't he? Character in this out I, of the main ones. I think. I think even the. The torturer is more of a character than he is in this. I think this, you're right. Um, I did like the, um, the the Diana Goddard character as well. Um, yeah. I like the way when when his first flunky um, got sort of <laughs> taken outside of his memory. I like the way she she just sort of ran from the back and right up to his side, sort of thing. Like sort of um, on, on, on the like, yeah. On, on the uh, the, re- <laughs> the replacement hap- lick spittle. <laughs> this happens regular, and it's like, you know, whoever gets there gets beside him first, gets the job. Yeah, exactly. 
It, uh, do you know that just sort of reminded me of, of um, an old Monty Python sketch where Graham Chapman played this Hollywood producer and he's just surrounded by these lackeys hanging off his every word, um, and he sort of put them on the spot with something about his, a great new film. Um, I think it was Terry Terry Jones was just panicked, just went splunge like that. Was, did he just say splunge? And all the and what does it mean? He said, "I'm um, sort of like it means good, um, but it might need some improvement." I'm not being indecisive. And then when he, he just accepts it, all the other flunkies just went uh, splunge. Yes, yeah, splunge for me as well. And it just reminded me of that, really, yeah. sort of like the flunkies hanging around and. I actually witnessed something like that at the place I work. So I'm going, I'm going right off topic here. Um, he come to the door and with this uh, very obsequious little um, toadying person hanging around him. And one of my engineers gave this guy a, a, a pen to sign for something. And I'm not kidding. This little uh, lick spittle next to him. I'll click the pen for you. And actually, and actually took the pen off him, clicked it and gave it back to him. Huh. Yeah, unbelievable. I know. I never thought that would, that would actually happen in real life, but no, it does. It happens. My God. <laughs> I never thought I'd meet someone the same as me. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'll, just, I'll, I'll, I'll edit you out of the uh, podcast, Paul, if you don't <laughs> you click. Are, if you, you don't, <laughs> you don't click the pen for me. <laughs> I just got this image now of you sitting back with this, this bloke holding his microphone to your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Catering to my merest whim. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, anyway, I digress, I digress. Um no, so I like I liked her character and I like the sort of the little smirk she gave at the end when she you know yeah. with the some place beginning with S. You know, I really did like that. Um but I think one thing that um Shouldn't shouldn't be ignored. It's Nicholas Briggs' performance as as the as the Dalek, um, because it's it's a lot more than just sort of shout and exterminate in this one. Yes. Um, well, I mean, I mean, there's the fact that he's basically waited all his life for this. Episode. Yes, he has. Yes, <laughs> up, to, up to that point, anyway. Yeah, to do it on television. Yeah, he's been waiting for yeah. that. Um, no, I think I think he's really good in this. I really do. I already think he's, he's he's actually sort of very plays it very well, um, and the way he sort of um, sort of brings his voice down as, as sort of sad to trick yeah. Rose into feeling sorry for him, um, and that's what I like about the this characterisation of the Dalek. It, it's not only sort of ruthless killing machine; it's also very very calculating and devious. But but even then, towards the end, it sort of becomes. It, uh, a less, almost less mechanical mm. as well, you know? So a little uh, bit of emotion creeps yeah. into the voice, yeah, yeah. He turns the the modulation back a bit. Yeah. So that you get a a less grating Yeah, that sound. sort of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's really, really, really well done. Um, I think it's very well directed as well by Joe Ahern, and I think, wasn't that uh, Mickelson's favourite Director. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember now. I'm quite sure he said he he would he would have come back to the fifty if it for the if Joe Ahern was directing. Yeah, yeah, that, that that rings a bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, I think he I think he, he he does it really really well. I think the um, I know CGI effects can can date very very quickly, but I think the CGI Dalek holds up well in this, and that that scene in the corridor. 
I think is very well done, where it's just turning round, far and down one end, then turn around far and down another. Um, obviously yeah. the, um, the 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 Dalek, um, how can I put it? Sort of um, that negative effect, you know, the skeleton negative effect has was was updated. Lovely, it was lovely to see it back actually. Yeah, because that was kind they of didn't, uh, they didn't they was, didn't try and be too clever. No, like have no. have the bodies vaporized or whatever, which they could have done. Oh, they could have easily have done. Yeah, no, they, they they just yeah, as you say, updated the the the, the previous exterminations. Yeah. yeah, which they did sort of introduce in in the um, the McCoy era. They sort yeah. of, and they sort of carried that on, which I I did like that. Um, because when I, I saw that that McCoy Dalek story, I thought I want I because I hadn't watched Doctor Who for a long time at that point, and I was kind of switched on, and this this was on. I thought oh, it's Daleks, I'll watch it, and then I'd seen. For then, I think it's quite impressive how they updated the effects. Um, I thought, wow, this is a bit, a bit different, you know. So it, it got me watching again to a certain degree. So, um, and I think. As it this did for Richard Shaw as well. This this got him watching. Um, yeah. But the thing is, that there's just a huge pile of corpses at the end of this story, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, it is the fact that that yeah, all the soldiers get killed in this. Yes. Yeah, there's only like a handful left at the end. Um, if that. Um, I think but, fair but play. The fact that, yeah. Sorry. The go fact on. That, that, that obviously that the Dalek doesn't kill. Um. Van Staten at the end. Yeah. Is good. You know, it just there is just that, you know, there is the transformation happening. Yeah, it's already beginning that. to take effect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I do like the fact that, that they didn't shy away from killing everybody. And it, and it was shown on screen as well. I'm not going to say, oh, I want to see death on Doctor Who every week. Um, but if you're doing a story about Daleks, yeah. you've got. I think you've really got to show the reason why everybody's so bloody scared of them. Yeah. Especially for a new audience, which is what this was for. We all know Daleks exterminate everybody. We we grew up watching that, but anyone who was new to the series had no idea what Daleks did, really. What? Or do you reckon they're so ingrained in the public consciousness? Maybe they did. I mean, surely everyone knows what a Dalek is. Yeah, I'm sure everyone could probably pick one out of a of a lineup. A lineup, yeah. <laughs> um. I started to doubt but, my, own, my, my own reasoning there. So, <laughs> so yeah, I don't. I think, and and you know that they are supposed to be the the greatest villain in Doctor Who. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think there's probably there's more people sort of know the myths. I mean, that that's I think why it was important. That although I mean, as you said about we'd had the the had the, the Daleks in the McCoy era. I mean, yeah. we'd we'd had the Dalek going upstairs. In the McCoy in that, era, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. In that, so not necessarily a a big thing to um, fans. Well, do you know what series. I think? I think a lot of fans but, actually forgot about that. Well, I, I I think I think what happens there is because of the different the, because of the length of time. There's a lot yeah. of fans like us that were actually stopped. We're getting to not watching Doctor Who by the McCoy era. We've yeah. gone past our time there. Yeah. And the ones that perhaps were have then grown up and are not really, haven't got that sort of, I don't know, longing for it to come back, perhaps that we had. I don't no, know. maybe not. Maybe not. 
No, you so, could be right there. Yeah. And, and just basically the standard thing if you said something to to anybody and you say, oh, are Daleks part of the, the consciousness of people that don't watch Doctor Who? Probably. And if you actually said to them, how do you get away from a Dalek? Most Those people would say you could run upstairs. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah exactly. So, That's exactly what people, you know, So I say. think it was yeah. important for for that scene to be there. And and almost to, to have the, the audience that believes that represented by the three members of the cast. Yeah. Standing there thinking they're safe because they're upstairs. Upstairs, yeah. And, you know, anything but, basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean you know, we, we know. Um, we we well, knew Dice Go Up the Stairs, but it's still a good moment when you see it. Yeah. You know. And it's, and it's partly, A, to do that. I mean, because obviously you've seen it basically yeah. fly up anyway. So, you know, the fact that it can then go upstairs. I mean, the whole point of it going up the stairs is also actually quite good because there's just this sort of, it doesn't, it, it's in no rush. <laughs> no, that's what it's, I like. It's, it, it goes for a rather sedate pace, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, you know, I'm going to get you eventually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't need to exert myself here. <laughs> Just you know, you're actually part of part of the. You almost get the feeling it's enjoying the. It, it's whatever. What am I? What's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, you, it's bathing re- its own fear. The, the the fear it's creating. Yeah, and you a new zest for life, basically. <laughs> yes. Oh God, no! I I you know I I I don't say too much more I can say about this one really because I, I just. Just absolutely bloody love this one, I really yeah. do, um, and I think this this really sort of set the should have set the tone for the rest of the series to come. But it didn't quite do that, did it? Because there's there's still a couple of um, a couple of clunkers to come along the yeah. way to, to to a certain degree. So, um, what do you think the next one is? The long game, um, which yeah, it's a bit bit of a which I, I haven't don't know. watched in. Which no, I haven't. A long time, so I'm no. actually almost like is it as you know as bad as I seem to remember it, or does it? I mean, or, or does it just suffer from following this? Probably a bit of both. <laughs> yeah, but we'll probably a bit of both. Out. We'll find out in a few weeks' time. Yes, yeah. indeed. Not indeed. not next week. <laughs> no, next week. No. Um, so should we leave that there then? While we're, yes. while we're about it, yeah. Okay, good, good. Um. Actually, yeah, yeah. What are we doing next? Well, um, it might actually be a video podcast next, yes. actually. So um, we'll, we'll keep you posted on uh, on that one. Um, so, but I think when we're back, it's we're back to big finish again, aren't we? So we'll um, we'll announce that when we've figured out what that bloody hell we're going to be doing. So when I've been round and clicked your pen, so you can. Write it down. <laughs> um, would you mind stopping this recording for me? <laughs> I can't be bothered. <laughs> oh, crikey. Yes, yeah, so that's that's to come. Um, and also, um, after our um, video podcast and our next proper podcast, um, I should be at the Gallifrey One convention in LA um, over the 16th, 17th, 18th of, um, of February. So... Um, if, if anyone's going, I hope to see you there. If you know what I look like, um, come and say hello. I'll have some um, 
convention ribbons to hand out as well the same ones i handed out last year so, so i've got loads of the bloody things to get rid of um yeah if you don't know what he looks like don't laugh no <laughs> <laughs> yes come and get a convention ribbon um paul will hand one to you so <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah so there we go there we go and i and i, and I take it I, i've got to get i've got to travel in the suitcase again <laughs> Well, you've got to do that and carry my luggage at the same time. So. <laughs> Just arms and legs out the suitcase. Flintstone luggage. Yeah. <laughs> oh, crikey. And with that thought and that image in our heads, yes. I will, I will, we will bid you a fond farewell. So until next time, everybody, it's goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. And we're going to leave you... Um, as a tribute to Peter Wingard, the theme tune to Jason King. <laughs>